Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Keep on rocking me, baby. It's episode number 36 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the world's number one Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as per usual, is my co-host, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing, Liam? I'm pretty good, Doug. How are you? Only pretty good, Liam. Uh, I'm good. No, it's it's been an engaging and interesting week at Ooh. my job. Mm-hmm. So what, that's is that, cool. what is that job again? Uh, what you just want to encourage people to stalk me? That is no, all this is about. You, don't need you just want to try to get as much personal. Pretty soon you're going to be like, and what was that social security number again, Liam? Just just for the fans. Yes. Well, I mean, you don't have to reveal that much about yourself, but you do work at a university type situation. Lafayette. I work. I work at Lafayette College in Easton, PA. I don't actually care. People can right. come find me. And it's what cool. what is the postal code? Is that, what do you guys call that <laughs> zip code of that uh, location? <laughs> Uh, it, 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 what? No, what? <laughs> I work at Lafayette. I'm the um, coordinator of intercultural development. Right, you there. actually are giving way more information than anyone could ever want to hear. I know. It's true. Liam, how has the last couple of weeks been for you? Your wife is Good. still expecting. Is that true? She is. She is. She is expecting. Um, Little Eric... Been- Douglas Alexander O'Donnell, is that correct? Well, we're having a daughter, mm-hmm. so that's sort of changed things. Erica, uh, I'm not quite sure what the feminine form of Doug is. Um, uh, Douglita, is that right? Ah, uh, that does work. I'm I'm cool with that. Okay, we'll go with Douglita. No, uh, my my mom would prefer us to be looking at Irish names, so we've been looking at Irish names. Finn, that's an Irish name. Uh, I don't think that's a name for a young lady, though, though. I don't want to be too gender normative. That, that actually does sound very gender normative. What do you mean? I'm just saying, like, uh, I think we're going to look into uh, some more traditional young lady names in the game. All right. This is This You got to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Today's guest is a writer on films of all sorts and one half of the Feminine Critique podcast with former guest of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, Christine Maypiece. It's Emily and Travia. How you doing, Emily? I'm doing great. How excited are you, are you to be on a podcast about Eric Roberts? Uh, pretty damn Excited, I think, is a fair way to say it. On Life Goals, it was uh, mm-hmm. number three, I think, for a very long time. Uh, especially it is, it regarding, is. oh well, especially regarding the movie we're covering today. But that's uh, we'll we'll get there. I know. Uh, now, uh, it is your lifelong dream to be talking about "Stalked by My Doctor" on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, it is. One hundred percent. Yes, it is. Now, tell me. Emily, what has been your lifelong Eric Roberts history? When did you first find out that Eric Roberts was a person that existed in the world? Mm -hmm. And what are some of the movies that you connect him with? Okay, so I knew this question was coming. uh, Mm -hmm. And it made, and I thought about it a little bit and really tried to think what was my introduction to Eric Roberts. And it goes back to, like many people of kind of my generation in the late 80s and such, we would rent a lot of movies at the local video store. We actually had a deal where my dad was affixed to the copier 
for the local video store. So we had like unlimited rentals. We could walk in and pick anything off the shelf. Sweet. And the rule was generally that like we just by default would would rent a horror film. That's what we did all the time. And for some reason, my older brother was really excited one day to rent a movie called The Ambulance. Oh. And I think I saw the cover. I don't remember the cover, but I remember thinking, oh, this looks like a movie about a killer ambulance. I'm so in for it. Because <laughs> um, when I was like nine, that really would have been the most exciting thing in the world. And now that I'm 34, it's still kind of the most exciting thing in the world. Uh, however, it's not a movie about a killer ambulance, nor is it a horror movie. Uh, if memory serves, it wasn't a particularly good movie. But that Ooh, is because I, I was like nine or ten and was expecting a killer ambulance movie. Uh, so... That was probably my introduction to Eric Roberts. I mean, that's a really good introduction, even if you didn't have a good time with it. Yes. You are correct. It is not about a killer ambulance. Though, no, I think you can make a case that there are horror elements in it. It also has, as the it's bad a guy... thriller, if you will. Yeah, it's a thriller. Larry Cohen directed it, so, um, of course, it fits... He did? And, yeah, he did, and he I wrote it, and it's... That. And Eric Roberts plays a comic book artist in in it, and Stan Lee is in it for a little bit. You know, uh, I have not watched it since whatever nineteen. When did it come out? Nineteen ninety, I believe. Nineteen ninety. Okay, I probably watched it like ninety two. Uh, I have not revisited it. I never realized it was Larry Cohen. I'm gonna actually have to rewatch it now. It also features the mustache guy from the soap operas. Do you know who I'm talking about, Liam? The mustache guy from the soap operas. He's on a soap opera and has been for like 40 years and he has a mustache. He may or may not be dead, but that's what I, I mean, if you saw this guy, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, days the mustache guy. Yeah. Was he on Days of Our Lives? That's all that matters. Is that a, <laughs> I don't, I feel like a mustache guy from the soap operas is one of the least distinct descriptions no, you could have you given mean. me. You, no. Um, See? He was on The Young and the Restless. But you've seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie. That's weird because I've covered it on Eric Roberts is the fucking man, and we have made a blood oath to watch all Eric Roberts movies. I like to pretend that everything you did before I was on the show is just a dream, like oh. a fever dream. Whew. Eric Braden. He was oh, on Young and the Restless. Man. Sorry, say his name again? Eric Braden or Brayden, I think that's who it is. Brayden. He's got a very like erudite like two, voice. And... Yeah, B-R-A-E-D-E-N. Braden. All right. <laughs> doesn't sound right. What else, what's your favorite Eric Roberts movie? That's what we got to cut to the chase here. What's your favorite? Uh, Stuck by My Doctor. Like, I don't have to think Ooh. about it. Or maybe Stuck by My Doctor, The Return. I have to think really hard about Ooh. which one. And I, I, I feel like I just oh. spoiled everything by blowing my load and no. saying that. No, 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 please. We, everyone blows their but load really early on Eric Roberts. It's really hard to contain how much I love these movies. So, Stuck. Well, that is a good... We need enthusiasm on this show because, unfortunately, my co-host is Liam O'Donnell, who sounds perpetually half asleep. Um, oh, my God. What are you even talking about? <laughs> you just mentioned your nightmares, which makes me think that, you know, yeah, that's well, part of the episode. So it's going to be really interesting. We're going to be able to talk about both the original Stocked by My Doctor and Stocked by My Doctor The Return, though the focus is, of course, on the sequel, which just recently aired on the Lifetime Network. But before we get to talk about that, we need to get into the Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 36 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And yes, as per usual, there's so much exciting Eric Roberts news to talk about. 
as we like to do, let's start with Eric Roberts' Twitter feed, where he recently tweeted to the great comedian Patton Oswalt, You can't know what you don't know, but I feel through me that you guys were headed for forever, and what a dad you are. Eric Roberts to Patton Oswalt, who, of course, most people would know that he recently lost his wife. What a nice sentiment, don't you think, Liam? I think so. It's actually, I mean, it took me a second to figure out exactly what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But once I did, it's very sweet. I I don't know if they know each other. Were they friends? Who knows? Who knows? But I think he was watching him on Conan O'Brien. And as Eric Roberts is wont to do, he was like, you know what? I'm a celebrity. This guy is a celebrity. Let's connect, brother. And that's exactly what he did. What do you think, Emily? Eric Roberts a nice guy. I think that's very sweet. Yes. He's been posting a lot of photos with him and his new cat. Oh, I didn't know this. What? Mm-hmm. What? Oh, ah, ah, I do. That's exciting to me. Is it a kitten? Is it a, a, a grown it, cat? What does he have? Yeah, well, I think he does have a grown cat at home because I have a picture of him asleep on his bed with a cat sleeping on top of him. Uh, Is it which a talking from... cat? Oh, that's very good. <laughs> uh, uh. No, but I believe that this was a recently acquired kitten that he has. I know. And uh, and it's safe to say that Eric Roberts has a very non-standard celebrity Twitter account uh, in that he seems to be very sincere and at the same time incredibly boring. He's positive. Yeah, he's positive. He's kind of like a, like a really well, overly well-meaning dad Twitter feed. Yeah. Absolutely. And he seems very, very proud of his children and his stepchildren. So uh, on September 25th, Eric Roberts tweeted, when did at Twitter get to be the number two in the letter B kicking it old school? Question mark. I love me some hashtag Twitter exclamation point. What? I don't. What do you think he's talking about there? I don't. Somebody must have insulted Twitter. Somebody must have been like Twitter. Is so uh is so MySpace. We're on Snapchat now. Maybe. I don't know. What are kids doing it, these days? Are they doing something that's not Twitter? Well, I mean, I'm on Twitter a lot. Liam, you're on Twitter a lot. And I do have to say, I, I haven't noticed anything that made me think that like it was kicking exodus? it old school. No, well, I mean, there's there's always going to be people coming and going. But in terms of kicking it old school, I don't, I can't really understand what he was talking about. Maybe someone installed an old version of Twitter on his phone or something like that. Did you look at what the hash, like, did you click on hashtag Twitter to see what everybody else was talking about? Uh, I imagine if I click on hashtag Twitter, uh, it will be completely incomprehensible and filled with fucking idiots. It seems like the universe <laughs> would be, like, it, uh, curling into itself at that point. It's like Googling Google, right? Possibly so. So... Former guest of the show, Brandon Bird, the great artist, he uh, he posted on Twitter actually an Eric Roberts uh, quote from Eric Roberts' Facebook page who was in the process kind of uh, reposting something that Eric Roberts had said previously. And what that was, <laughs> what that was, was the freeways aren't free if you pay with a life, hang up and buckle up. Good advice from Eric Roberts. What do you think, Emily? Yeah. Don't, don't. Right? I think that's amazing advice. He is everybody's dad. He cares. You live in the city that never sleeps. I do. <laughs> I, I imagine there's a lot of bad drivers. I'm, I mean, that's just because of, of movies and things I've seen. Are there well, a lot no, of bad you're, drivers? You're right about that. And I, I mean, I don't drive in the city. I, I walk or take the bus or take the subway. And when I'm walking in like the Manhattan part, I'm usually pretty cool with, okay, the light's red. I know I'm good. Uh, but I work mm-hmm. in the Bronx, and it's kind of 
amount, like traffic signs and everything else, nothing applies. So you could be crossing the street with a red light while a car is coming at you and you have to like really hope you're going to make eye contact to make sure they stop for you. Um, right. So you have to be careful in every facet of traffic. And Eric Roberts, I think, is just kind of reminding people to when you're in a car, these are some of the things you should do and not do. Buckle up, brother. Yeah. Also, by the way, Emily, The Ambulance is a great New York movie. So that's a good thing well, that you should Well, it's Larry out. Cohen. Yeah, I really need to, to dig back into that one. Last episode, we mentioned the imminent release of Nigerian comedy A Trip to Jamaica, featuring comedian A, holder of the Guinness World Record for most profitable Nigerian film. Well, the reviews are in for A Trip to Jamaica, and I would actually point my uh, co-host and my guest today to the image of the poster that I put into your show notes and Eric Roberts' face in the bottom I left-hand corner. I want this movie. <laughs> I will, I'll actually put that poster in the show notes so everyone can yes. take a look at it. The reviews are in. A Trip to Jamaica is a mediocre comedy movie which offered me two moments of laughter when I should have been losing count. Sadly, the anticipated comedy movie has lots of jokes flat. Jokes that make it unexciting to watch. Uh, So I would say this is a negative review of A Trip to Jamaica. However, that said, we will, Liam and myself, will be watching A Trip to Jamaica on an upcoming episode. Why is that, Liam? Because we got to watch them all. Why is that? We took a blood oath. Blood oath. Emily, do you like Big Brother? I've never watched it. I started with Survivor back in the day, but uh, that that was where it ended. No, I'm talking about the U.S. government's uh, policy. (laughs) Oh, you're talking about Obama taking away my guns. Yeah, that's right. He's he's probably listening in on this conversation right now. Obviously, with those giant ears, yeah. Uh, Wow. Yes, the man has large ears. I have a big nose. We're all human beings. (laughs) <laughs> I guess he's he's I guess he can take a little criticism. <laughs> well, Jesus. No, I am talking about Big Brother the television program. You know, it's always been a little better, better, bigger in the UK than it is here, don't you think, Liam? Um, I guess so since I've never seen it. Well, I watched the first season of Big Brother and you know, it didn't do that well here here there in the United States because everyone was too nice. It was a very strange situation where they put at the time reality shows were very very popular and they put a bunch of people in this house and for those who don't know, Big Brother is a case where everyone lives in a house and it was streamed online like 24 hours a day. You could just watch these people live uh, and they would put like normal people and they'd put crazy people in there, in this place, right? To cause a lot of drama and a lot of entertaining action. But the weird thing about this particular season of this show is that they kept voting out the most uh, irritating and difficult and interesting people. So all of the people that were left were super nice and kind and empathetic. And it ended up being low rated because no one wants to see that shit on their TV. <laughs> it was the best reality show up to the great great british bake-off that i remember ever watching um so uh so of course they had to change that all around to make sure that the assholes i remember in that season just to go off on a quick tangent they like there was this guy who was like a fucking piece of shit and they voted him out because they're like hey this guy's a piece of shit we don't want him in the house and they found a way on the show to get him back in and then that same episode they voted (laughs) him out again (laughs) crying in the corner Absolutely. We just like we gotta have an interesting person in here. Well, in the UK, the winner of Big Brother is a guy named Jason Burrill, 
who I've never heard of, and probably nobody listening to this who isn't from the UK uh, have heard of, but he is set to break out of the reality TV circuit, according to the Daily Star, because he's gone and landed himself a movie role with a massive star in Tinseltown. That's right. Our source says that he's just started shooting a new film with Eric Roberts, the brother of Hollywood superstar Julia Roberts. Oh, poor Eric Roberts. (laughs) According to this article, he's filming in both the UK and Paris and also in talk with another producer based in Hollywood. So, yes, if you're a fan of Big Brother's Jason Burrill, he's about to take Hollywood by storm because he's featuring himself in a movie with Eric Roberts, the hardest person to be in a movie with. Yeah. Right? Dark Moon Rising. Right, Liam? Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, 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 only the best get Eric Roberts. Emily, have you ever spent any time in Florida? A little bit, sure. How was your experience there? Uh, I was swimming and there were sharks. And I didn't get out of the water. Sharks. I swam with sharks. I like to say that I like swam with sharks and saved a family from them. Because then after we saw there were sharks, we, I kind of stood there and made sure that they didn't swim over to the family. So I saved Florida from sharks. Emily? Yeah. This is no boating accident. Uh-oh. No. Well, I'm glad you had an interesting experience in Florida because you know what else is in Florida? Fort Lauderdale. And at the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival on November 4th, it's going to open with a gala screening of the movie Dreamland. A music-infused, bittersweet comedy directed by actor and indie rocker Robert Schwartzman, the son of Talia Shire from Rocky and the brother of Jason Schwartzman. And I think he's a member of that band Phantom Planet. Are you a fan of them, Liam? No. Do you know that song that they had? <laughs> I, I'm assuming not. What is the song it that they the had? It was the theme song to, what was that show? O- the O.C. Oh, they did the theme song to the O.C. Wait. He, I thought Jason Schwartzman was in that band. He was that in that was band, too. I think they were both in there. Or maybe I'm thinking, it does say indie rocker, right? It's got to be Robert Schwartzman. Yeah, California, I don't know. I think that's true. Here we come. That one. Uh, yeah, real annoying. Uh, like, Emily, terrible. are you a fan yeah. of Phantom Planet? I don't know any music that's been made after like 1989, or that didn't come from a Broadway musical, so no. Well, 1989 was the year that punk broke, isn't that right, Liam? God damn it. (laughs) Emily, what would you consider your favorite musician? Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. And who is your least favorite musician? Oh, that's a question that's hard to answer. Or just Um, name a musician that you don't much care for. You can say I Gene feel Simmons. Like I want to be cool and it. just say Nickelback because then that makes me sound like I know stuff, right? So it's like nobody likes uh, Nickelback. Nickelback. Right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I say my least favorite's Nickelback, that means I know something about. Yeah, music. don't go along with the cool kids. Say something controversial. Um, Silence is not the friend of a podcast. I'm yeah. gonna <laughs> say... just spurt it out. Mm. Let's hear it. Uh, I'm trying to just like spit out like Garth Brooks, but I don't really have anything against Garth Brooks. What about uh, Chris Gaines? I don't even know who that is. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh my God. Well, my podcast about Chris Gaines is going to have a very limited audience. Anyway, back to the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. You may be wondering, listeners, why I brought up Dreamland. Well, that's the gala screening that's opening the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. But the Closing Night film is a political thriller that we've referred to on this show before. It's Frank D'Angelo's The Red Maple Leaf, 
with a cast that includes Armand Asante, Martin Landau, Michael Pere, with cameos by Chris Christopherson, James Caan, Mara Sorvino, Paul Sorvino, Robert Loggia, who has now passed away, Daniel Baldwin, Margot Kidder, Doris Roberts, who's also passed away, and Eric Roberts, the star-studded movie The Red Maple Leaf, coming soon to the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival and coming soon to Eric Roberts as the fucking man because we love Frank D'Angelo. Isn't that right, Liam? I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked on it. I can't believe they have this Canadian movie premiering there at the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. The Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival sounds like a real fun time. Maybe we should think about trying to go. Let's go and forget about Fantastic Fest. Let's go to Fort Lauderdale. I mean, you can go swimming at both places, right? Yeah, stay away from the sharks. Recently added Mm -hmm. to the ever-expanding IMDb page of Eric Roberts is 2017's, and you got to hear about this, 2017's The Bobby Roberts Project. The plot is a mockumentary that chronicles the ignorant, fictitious son of Eric Roberts as he attempts to direct an epic biopic on the life of George Washington. Yes, a mockumentary about a fake son of Eric Roberts called The Bobby Roberts Project. It features... Eric Roberts, of course, playing himself. Jaleel White. Is that Urkel? Steve Urkel, Urkel. or God Stefan? Damn it. Fred oh, Willard. Stefan. Yeah, well, Stephon. I respect his work as Stefan. <laughs> Fred Willard. Do you respect his work as the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog? Uh, no, but he was, I think, recently on an episode of Atlanta. That was cool. What's Atlanta? Is that a place in the United States? <laughs> it is. It's also a TV show. Is that where Coca-Cola is? God damn it. It is. Fred Willard and Chris, what does that say? Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan. Oh, Chris Kattan. Sure, sure, sure. Mango. (laughs) Chris Kattan, Eric Roberts, Fred Willard, and Jaleel White in the mockumentary The Bobby Roberts Project. Emily, this has to be up your alley. It is. It's either going to be amazing or unwatchable, well, is what it sounds look, like. Look, I don't want to spoil however you're feeling right now, but I will say I'm coming down on the side of it being likely unwatchable. <laughs> it, could be, it could be amazingly unwatchable. Yeah, it could be. And either way, we're going to have to watch it. Why is that, Liam? Because Eric Roberts is in it and we took a blood oath. We took a blood oath. But that's enough. Good thing you didn't take a blood oath from Jaleel White movies. Well, it would probably be a much shorter fucking series of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that. That's true. We'd be done by now. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we have miles to go before we sleep. We're going to take a break. When we return, ladies and gentlemen, it's the main event. What was that? Did someone drop something? No. <laughs> For once, it wasn't me. <laughs> when we return, it's the main event. It's 2016's Stocked by My Doctor. The return after this.
Dr. Beck, who has changed his name, saves a young teenage girl drowning in Mexico whom he falls in love with. As always, there are some complications in his way, but he has plans to possibly get past them and get the girl of his dreams. It's stocked by my doctor. The return, yes, the sequel to the epic, legendary Lifetime movie stocked by my doctor, starring one Mr. Eric Roberts, and really pretty much continuing off where that last one left. Now, you may remember that the first stocked by my doctor movie had a number of very, very memorable scenes, including the ending, which involved a woman attending her own funeral and reuniting <laughs> with her family after hitting Eric Roberts in the face with a golf club. Now, whether this movie lives up to that one, that's something we're going to get into in a moment. But I want to start with you, Emily. Tell me your thoughts on the first Stalked by My Doctor. Okay, well, I am a big Lifetime movie fan. They entertain me even the even the bad ones, even the boring ones, I will always find some kernel of entertainment there. And I learned about the first one from your show. Uh, I because I don't always think to record random Lifetime movies. It's more I'm flipping channels. Oh, Lifetime, there's a movie on. I'll have that on the background, and it will make my life better. Sure. Um, once I heard your episode, I actually sought it out and recorded it, and it it really did make my life a little better. Uh, I just enjoyed it. I cackled maniacally quite often throughout it. Uh, it was over the top, but yet measured in certain ways. And I think that's something about this one that we'll talk about. Uh, so I was very excited when it was Labor It was even like a holiday presentation, if you will. Labor Day weekend, they aired yeah. this one. Uh, so I was, I was pretty pumped. Emily, what was your favorite part of the first Stocked by My Doctor? Oh, the American Girl doll, probably. Yes, because it is a course. special moment. There aren't... Now, did we ever establish, was that a genuine American Girl doll or was it a ripoff? Now, they don't use the words American Girl doll in the movie, so I'm going to guess that it was, for all intents and purposes, a ripoff. However, maybe the prop was an actual one that just has no particular reference to it. But for, for our purposes, let's refer to it as an American Girl doll. That's reasonable. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Sounds reasonable to me. What about that part where he yells at that woman that he's unfriending her? Yeah, oh God, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yes, I loved that... all of his dates. Uh, made me very happy. Uh, it's, it's, yes. the, it's the escalation. And, the, and this, again, comes up a little bit in this one, is that he really just wants to be happy. He just wants to be with a woman that he adores and that adores him. And he's just very um, socially Passionate. maladjusted oh. and does not know how to make that happen and how to deal with people, especially women. Uh, the genuine desire to connect that I think makes Dr. Beck somebody that at least, you know, you, you see where he's, what he's going for. You don't agree with his methods. They're pretty rapey and weird and inappropriate. But you, you see, he, he's... You know, he's not phoning it in. No, he's not. You know, he, he's a nice guy trying yeah. to get through that friend zone. Yeah. Right? He's stuck in the friend zone. <laughs> and he's, the only way out of it is by drugging and molesting women. Is that correct, Emily? Uh, generally, in my experience as a woman, yes, actually. Yeah. All right. Well, that is reflective of the world as yep. a whole. Now, I want to throw an idea at you. Emily, let's start with Liam first. Liam, there was someone on our Facebook group who 
expressed a dislike of the first stocked by my doctor because I think of the pitched campiness of the whole thing. He thought it was too clearly unserious. Was that something that bothered you at all? I would go so far as to say that not only was that not something that bothered me, that was one of my main attractions to the film. That, that you would prefer, that it wasn't played so straight that there was no room for humor in it. No, in fact, I, I don't think it was... There's, I think there's a, a space between played straight and uh, straight-up jokes. The first talk by my doctor, it didn't have jokes. You could say it had set pieces that could have been gags. Sure. But it, it, it didn't feel like it was winking that hard. But there was a campiness and over-the-topness to it that... I found very amusing, but at no point was it so. It, it certainly didn't go into, let's say, hobo with a shotgun territory. Right. There's no, you know, it was never like, oh my god, can you believe how crazy this movie is? Emily, what do you think about that comment? Now, I, I imagine that you agree with Liam that that it has a very much a kind of campiness to it. But did you ever fear that that was something that went too far or was too uh, intentional? Are we still speaking strictly about the first film? Strictly of the first one. Okay, no, I would say, again, I watch a lot of Lifetime movies, and I think there is a certain... It, I find them fascinating, because what happens is the actors all are kind of doing their jobs, and occasionally you'll get an actor who's like, I'm going to give a real performance. And occasionally you'll get one who's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go as far as I can. And you get such a variety of talent and levels of intensity and in camp. And it, the first one felt to me as though, okay, it's, it is a little over the top, but it could have also been any other Lifetime movie. It wasn't quite the, um, James Franco just did the remake of Stalk by My, uh, of not Mother Stalk by I My Doctor, of Mother May I Sleep with Danger. And that film, which I actually really enjoyed, but it's very knowing, it's very self-aware, it's very, it's, it's playing it kind of straight, but it, the, the subject matter of it and the way it's handled is done in such a way where anybody watching it knows this wasn't done earnestly as a Lifetime movie. Right. Where Stalked by My Doctor could have been an earnest Lifetime movie. I've seen Lifetime movies that have been more extreme without being aware of it. It's really only the Eric Roberts element in Stalked by My Doctor that is pitched up that high. Everyone else is playing it just like a regular Lifetime movie. Absolutely. Yeah, and that makes a big difference, I think. So let's move over to Stalked by My Doctor The Return. I just want to elaborate a little bit on that plot summary. So it does start with Eric Roberts' character, Dr. Beck. He's in Mexico where the last film ended off. He saves a woman from drowning doing the dumbest example of CPR that makes no fucking sense at all. Uh, if any- <laughs> Come on, girl. Come on. If, Come if on. anyone has taken a CPR course before and you see what he's doing where he's like checking her pulse and like, and <laughs> did he really like, like massage her heart? Anyway. He probably would have broken a few ribs there, too. Uh, so he saves her life, and her mother's there, and uh, they live... Uh, was it? Is it San Diego that she, they live in? Yeah, they're in Acapulco, but they live normally in, in San, San Diego. Diego. So basically, he follows them back to San Diego. Yes, he's able to get across the border in a very strange scene. Uh, and he <laughs> tries to start up a relationship with the girl's mother in order to get to her. He even says that out loud in a conversation with his psychiatrist, who he talks to via the internet. 
we'll get into the spoiler in regards to that in a little bit. So then there is a number of scenes where he's trying to like to break up the relationship between the girl and her boyfriend. And there's a lot of kind of creepy behavior as he gets closer and closer to her mother. He eventually marries her mother. And then something happens. But I'm not going to spoil the ending of it. I'm going to start with our guest once again, Emily. What were your thoughts? What was your reaction to watching Stalked by My Doctor, The Return? Well, I think what we said about the first one regarding that all of the supporting cast is playing it straight is true here, too. And I think that is the key to this movie. To me, the key is that Doug Campbell, who's a director, who has made other Lifetime movies. Many, many so of them involving people being stalked. Be, people being stalked. He's made like five movies with the word stalked in, in, their, in its title. He knows what a Lifetime movie is. And so what he does is he makes a Lifetime movie. The, the rest of the cast, they're playing it straight. They're, pl- they're a little boring because they should be. They just have to, you just have to play the mother and the pretty daughter. Like that's all your part is. So they're playing it straight as a Lifetime movie. And it lets Eric Roberts then do his crazy thing. And it's grounded because everything else around him is so straight. And the other thing I think is really important is that Eric Roberts, to me, like, Eric Roberts is somebody that he kept a journal of this character. (laughs) And he did not just show up on set and learn his lines that day and, you know, go into his trailer and tweet and play a video game and then come out and film, film a scene. No, I bet he was in character the entire time they filmed it. I bet, like, he did all those, like, actorly exercises you do when you're in college where you, you know, you uh, write a journal and you uh, do all these improv scenarios. Like, he knows Victor Slauson or uh, Victor Back, whatever you want to call him. He he went to sleep with that character. (laughs) And I don't, it's, yes, it's campy, but I feel like he has grounded it in something very specific. And I think the moment that that clicked for me I can't remember the exact moment in the in the movie, but there's a few moments when you start to realize every time he looks at the mother, right, this character that he's supposed to be falling for, and really he's just doing it in order to get close to the daughter, just look at the way he's, like, biting his lip and tensing his face because all he wants to do is stick his tongue out, out at her and stab her. He hates this woman. This woman represents everything he doesn't like about women, women that are his age or closer to that and they're sour about the world and they're not brave and they're not curious whereas Amy and you know the character from the first film these young women to him it's not just I think it's not just about them being pretty it's that they have this innocence and this enthusiasm that he just gravitates to and I think Eric Roberts knows that and shows that about the character I will say I don't want to ruin your idea that Eric Roberts is living in this character during the filming, but I should remind you that he had 12 other movies to make that same week. So, <laughs> probably, couldn't, probably couldn't have stayed in character. Yeah, movies, they Sorry. make these movies, like, in a week. If you move the camera over an inch, you're going to see them filming a Christmas movie right behind them. Look, David Dakota is calling. He's got to get to another set. Uh, but uh, I do agree with you in on a lot of those points. I do think that Eric Roberts, I think his performance, and we usually leave this till the end, but I really think he is terrific in both the first film and in this one, he really does envelop that character. And the best moments for me are the ones where he's playing fake tender. In particular, he's trying to get the mother, uh, her, her, the, the mother of the character that he's obsessed with, her husband died in a tragic, ridiculous accident where he fell off a ladder. 
and now I feel she bad laughing because it's so tragic, but it's hilarious. It's uh, she's now terrified of driving and terrified of heights. So he helps her get over that fear of heights by slowly kind of acclimating her to standing on taller and taller things. And I think that those scenes work really well because you can see how he's making her depend on him. And there's a real psychological mm-hmm. element to that. However, I'm not necessarily in these movies for the deep psychological element. I want to see Eric Roberts get rejected and then freak the fuck out, just like he did in his series of dates in the first stock by my doctor. And this film starts with a scene where a woman, he uh, he tries to hit on her using some really tired old lines. She completely rejects him and emasculates him. And he has a minor freak out in his house. But that's really all we get for that kind of thing. He doesn't go on any dates on this one. He pretty much gets obsessed with uh, Amy, the, the daughter of Linda, uh, very early on in the movie. And at that point, he's focused. So there's no other women that he's kind of going after. There is one brief fantasy sequence where he's out to dinner and uh, it shows him pull out like a scalpel and slit someone's throat and blood squirts up. And then he goes, check, please. But that's another thing that's been added to this movie. These fantasy sequences, which are supposed to allow a little bit of the camp that we had in the first movie. But I preferred it better. For one thing, it's very obvious when these scenes are happening that they're not happening in the real world. And I felt like that really kind of took away from the kind of legitimate humor that you could have gotten out of it because they're almost like little comedy sketches that are taking place in the middle of a serious movie or rather serious with with weird elements. Going to go over to you, Liam. Want to hear your thoughts. Stocked by my doctor, The Return. Is it a winner or is it a chicken dinner? <laughs> I, I wasn't aware that a chicken dinner was not a winner. Oh, my gosh. Um, poison chicken dinner. Oh, that's fair. Okay, okay. Um, I I gotta say here, the issue for me is sort of related to what you already said. There aren't any of those moments where Eric Roberts rages out. There's not those like anger fugue states. Uh, there's a lot more of Eric Roberts just being vaguely creepy you know it, it's it feels as if so the the whoever was making this film thought the parts of the first movie that were uh really interesting were more of the uh <clears throat> lothario sort of creepy uh lusting after young woman aspects of eric roberts character in the first movie which was part of the mixture but the more interesting part was eric roberts freaking out and there's an and, and doing ridiculous things like when he attacks the kid who has the crutch or uh <laughs> you know what i mean there's 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 elements to his performance in the first film that to me, I, I guess what I want to say, it's hard to say this because it's so ridiculous, but there's more depth or or maybe not depth, but maybe more variety to his weirdness. There's more levels to the Yeah. In, in this movie, the only level I feel like that is exists in the real world is the like fake Eric Roberts and then the like licking his chops Eric Roberts, which was – don't get me wrong. His performance is great. He's a real creepazoid. He really nails it. It really made me uncomfortable. I no longer want to meet Eric Roberts after watching this movie. But, but, but or there. Make sure he doesn't save your wife from anything. Oh, one hundred percent. But there were less opportunities for him to do anything ridiculous. Uh, and I also agree that the the fantasy sequences were distracting. The only way they were used effectively is that there was 
I think two scenes that I thought were fantasy sequences that weren't. The first time he goes to her high school and the boyfriend tries to beat him up, I was like, oh, this is such a fantasy. And then it like isn't. I'm like, oh, okay, I I guess this isn't. I know the other one too. It's when he goes to the house and everyone is writing horrible things to her on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Because that scene happens right after a sequence where she is like thinks that he's a creep and has rejected him, and he just walks into the house, and we expect her to be really uh, brutal to him, but instead she's like crying because people are making fun of the fact that she has herpes on her Facebook, and that ends up being real. It's a really strange scene. No, that so, real. No, that one's a fantasy because they make. It oh, up. right. That's right. okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's, You're right. That's that one is. Into the, yeah. No, but there was one that I thought was <laughs> a fantasy. I got confused. Wasn't. <laughs> there were two there were definitely two uh f- sequences that felt like fantasies that weren't fantasies but again it, it, what was so one of i don't want to say i don't want to essentialize the first movie because it's it's so complex but i do want to <laughs> say that one of my favorite aspects of the first movie is he does a lot of ridiculous things in the real world that you're amazed he gets away with and this movie doesn't really ramp it up until oh, he kills but he sneaks into their house at three in the morning <laughs> having made a concoction eh. of laxative iced tea knowing that she's eh. gonna drink it at three in the morning and the next day the mother is gonna call he's gonna go to the house he's gonna take a blood sample and he's gonna switch it and tell her that she has genital herpes not to mention he does this after eating pancakes that spell out the word amy which how do you even make those <laughs> and- i will say those pancakes were by far my favorite part of the movie no, the pancakes were great. I just think that there's, if you take it, it, it in the first film, there's so many sequences where he does things that you're like, how is this possible? Like, it's it's sure. rammed up the whole time. In that sequence, they, it, I feel like they needed to ramp it up more as a sequel. That when he's in the house, having seen the first film, I'm like, yeah, he would do this. This is so him. Yeah, right. no, he's going <laughs> to make her sick. That's great. That makes sense. But then, like... There are less opportunities for him to do those things until, and again, I don't want to go as far as ruining the ending, but there's when he has conflict with the brother, and then the way that that ramps up, that's when I start to feel like, all right, we're getting back into familiar territory here. He's really going to start going off the rails, well, and there, there just wasn't as much as that as I wanted. I think there was almost something to, in the beginning of the movie, the idea that he was trying to have learned a lesson from the first film. So it opens up with him trying to hit on a woman nearer to his age because he's probably thinking, well, it didn't work with Sophie because we didn't have enough in common. And then it doesn't work with this woman because older women intimidate him. And then when he says to his doctor, uh, I think, and he says it very matter of factly, I think I'm going to marry, I'm going to get close to the mother and marry her so that I can get close to the daughter. It's to me, it was this great character progression, if you will. Of him having learned in the first film, what ultimately was the start of bringing things down was the fact that the mother was really suspicious of him from the beginning. So in this one, rather than just do the sequel thing where everything gets bigger and crazier, I kind of like that they took this sequel as if he was trying to learn what went wrong and trying to fix it. But of course, he's going to fall back into his old habits. And even the fact that Amy is essentially... Like, obviously very similar to Sophie from the first film, right down to having the boyfriend who is the first to suspect something is amiss. <laughs> he has a type. Uh, I did... Yeah, yeah, right? He has a type that is his foil. And, of course, he very openly 
uh, tries to break them up to the point where the boyfriend is um, immediately... For one thing, the boyfriend is introduced by being so suspicious of him that he beats on Eric Roberts and then apologizes <laughs> when he finds out that he's the doctor that saved his girlfriend, which makes you think he's going to be this meathead, and he sort of is, but he's also sympathetic in the case that he legitimately really likes this girl and really does want to help protect her and support her, and he, he feels really crushed when they are broken up by the fact that she thinks that he gave her herpes, um, <laughs> which is an interesting plot element. It, I, I think maybe I feel like uh, by the time things ramp up, by the time the acid in the bathtub is coming out, yeah. by the time he's talking to a television screen, that that should be a halfway mark as opposed to the final act. And especially because the final kind of plan uh, where he plans to kill the mother and it's up to Amy to stop that from happening, I feel like that has a lot to live up to with the first movie because of how far they go with it. And this one, it just feels a little too safe, I think. And I think you're right, Emily. You're right. It, it makes... Uh, you could burn out on these movies really, really quickly if you just kind of tried to pitch them up Sharknado style every single time a new sequel right. comes out. But I feel like this is actually going regressing in some ways. There are less memorable moments. It's a less memorable performance. The plot itself is less interesting because a doctor's fall from grace or psychotic break that leads to a fall from grace is a more engaging plot than just a psycho trying to get in with a family. You know, this is kind of like the stepfather except less interesting, right? Um, I, and I think that that's an interesting... I do feel like that the ending of this movie, which we will talk about in a second... It sets up the possibility of a third movie that could live up to expectations. Mm. But I also think that the very final thing that we see on screen makes me very concerned about the tone that that might take. Uh, I can agree with that. So we'll go into spoiler territory here. Um, Eric Roberts is insane. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the doctor that Eric, Robert play, Eric Roberts plays in this movie is, of course crazy but it's even a little worse than we thought because the psychiatrist he's been talking to throughout the movie doesn't actually exist he's been talking to a blank computer screen which uh the daughter at one point actually catches him doing and he just kind of blows it off that he was just talking to himself which is something people do when they're alone but he was like freaking out at a blank computer screen at the time so as you can like the middle of his wedding yeah too. It, like the wedding has happened literally minutes before so uh as he is about to try to kill the mother, Amy shows up. Um, he ends up getting arrested at the end of the movie. Everything gets saved and everyone's fine. And he gets put up in... Put well, how do you think the mother's going to do yeah. now? Like, she had literally... Like, the whole thing was her getting over her trust issues and opening up and not being afraid of heights. And then the final moment is Eric Roberts almost pushing her off a building. Yeah, she's not going up a ladder uh, anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder how her dating prospects are going to be going forward. She actually, that's for a different lifetime. She movie. hugs her daughter and stuff after it happens and kind of looks out a window and I'm like, the, the damage that's been done to you, woman, that that is something we should explore. No, so, so Eric Roberts at the very last scene of the movie, he's in jail. He's reading a copy of Lolita. Because, of course... Yeah, which is also a little bit overly weeping yeah. as well. And there's a security guard who is outside... Or I should say a prison guard is outside his cell. She's eating a chocolate bar, starts choking. He gets the other guards to let him out so he can give her the Heimlich Maneuver because apparently they don't teach that to security guards. Pretty, <laughs> no, they do not. Pretty easy move. He saves her life. And suddenly she becomes, of course, his new uh, obsession target. 
and the movie ends with him looking at the screen and winking, a la Franco Nero in Enter the Dragon. Uh, not Enter the Dragon, Enter the Ninja. Um, Liam, I said I had reservations about that as an ending. What were your thoughts? I was hoping it was a symbol that they weren't going to try to continue on the series. Like, I think that I'm done with this series. I'm ready for them to not make any more of them. Um, I, I just don't think a third film will deliver any better than a second film did for me. And so I was hoping the wink was just sort of a way to say, and we're done. But if this is actually supposed to be like a, oh, wait, there's more coming, then it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want that. I don't know if that's something I need in my life. Like, well, I just I just think that there was some sort of magical alchemy with that first one, and, and, and they didn't get it for me with this one. Let me suggest this as a plot for the third Stock by My Doctor movie. The Doctor, played by Eric Roberts, gets out of prison rehabilitated for all intents and purposes moves to a new town can't start up his practice gets a job of some sort that's respectable starts going on dates again gets rejected again and again and then something pushes him over the edge and then he loses it and then it goes back into the cycle in kind of a truncated form i think that has potential i think that has a potential for a decent third sequel i don't want to see a movie of him just in prison the entire time because i don't think that that has the potential to be very interesting but i think you know i think you well can then it's of... like oz that season with uh when uh dean winter's character falls in love with the nurse right <laughs> yes <laughs> and and i actually wrote on twitter that that, that it ends with it being oz meets stocked but i uh i don't know <laughs> if i necessarily need to see that God, in the lifetime you are more. describing my fantasy <laughs> <laughs> How, okay, let me get the, let me put this out there. Eric Roberts, Chris Maloney, <gasps> in prison together. He's obsessed with Chris Maloney. He's, Chris Maloney is obsessed with him as well, and it's kind of a oh, mutual stalking going on. I know you're all. Into Am I dead? Like, is this heaven? Am I dead and I'm in heaven? That is my question to you, Emily. Over to you again. Should this be a series that continues? Yes. Uh, now, here's the thing about series. My take on sequels, uh, I am a, I'm a pretty positive person. So to sure. me, the whole, oh, that sequel was so bad, it ruined everything about the first movie, that never happens. I can accept, if, if I hate a sequel, I just treat the sequel as if it's fan fiction. And think, and so to me, if it like undoes something about the first film... I just kind of take it as, you know what, it's a separate thing. I'm going to pretend it didn't happen and, or it was made by somebody else and it's a different take on this. It's fine. So the, the, I balance it out as a third Stalked by My Doctor film could be fantastic or it could be terrible, but I will take that risk is what I'm saying. I, I can see what you're saying. I will say that my biggest concern about it has to do with the fact that this movie – Stocked by my doctor, the return. It brought back the same writer, the same director, the same star, and it, it for me it didn't capture the same magic as the first one, which makes me think, like you said, Liam, that maybe it was just you know the, all the elements coming together at that one time, and and it's a possibility that even the creators don't understand why that happened and what made that one work. And this one, which again, I think that this is still an entertaining movie. There are parts of it that I really like. It To me, the best parts of it uh, don't stack up to the first stocked. 
Um, yep. and, and it is something where I'm very skeptical of a third one. Don't get me wrong. I'll watch it. You know, Liam and I made a blood oath. But um, I will go into it with a lot more reservations than I went into this one. But with that said, we've come to the part of the show where we've, we have to answer the very question, the very question at the heart of this podcast, which is, going to start over with you, Emily. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in Stalked by My Doctor, The Return? Do you have to ask? Come on. I always have to ask. Of course It's part of is. my deal. Of course he is. Right. I like hearing that. Uh, I will over say... Uh, that something that won me over immediately in this movie, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, um, the, mm-hmm. his, the fake name he takes is Victor Slauson. <laughs> as soon as he said that, in my mind, I took this as, oh my God, it's a reference to Taurus Trap. Possibly. I would say that it's that there doesn't seem to be other overt references to movies in this movie, but if, if you want to feel that way, I am not going to do I do. And it was one of those things that as soon as that happened, I'm like, no matter what else happens, I love this movie. And <laughs> yes, I think Eric Roberts in this is, again, he's, it's a ridiculous performance, but it's one that clearly is a character he has created. And I, and I, he's not phoning it in at all. And he's not shouting on the phone on the other side of that, he is actually giving a real performance in it. And as ridiculous as it is, it ends up being awesome. Liam, even with your reservations with Stock by My Doctor, The Return, is Eric Roberts the fucking man? Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually his performance still being what it is that highlights for me my frustration with the film. Because I feel like uh, it's, it, it, you know, you put together a band everyone in the band is mediocre except the guitar player. You make sure you have this guitar player who's really sick. And then you have like a 10 minute bass solo. And it's just like, what? I just, I just, I feel like he was not used as well in this film as I wanted. And he wasn't given the opportunities for some of the, the, the real, just, just awesome stuff we had in the first one. Um, But that doesn't take away from the fact that what he does do in the film is great. He's great at it. He's real good at this creepy side. And, And like I said, the, that, that aspect of the character, the the um, uh, sizzling contempt for those around him, is also a part of the character that I think is really great. So he he really rocks in that role. And I just wish the rest of the film worked as well as the first yeah, one. I think he is by far the best part of this movie. I would say in the first one, the movie tried its best to match him, and in this one, it find, it falls short. A bit, but Eric Roberts gives the same reliable performance as he gave in the first one. Just would have liked to have seen some more interesting material for him to kind of sink his pearly whites into. Roberts is the fucking man, of course, in Stocked by My Doctor The Return. Will we be seeing Stocked by My Doctor 3? Only time will tell. But we're going to take our final break. And when we return, we're going to have a little talk with Emily and we're going to say goodnight. <laughs> And I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five
That's it, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Episode number 36 covering Stocked by My Doctor, The Return. I want to thank my guest, Emily Intravia. Did I get it right that time? You did. I, well I done. I know. I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to talk about this movie with us. Emily, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, two places. If you are looking to listen to me speak more, then you can go to... The podcast I do, The Feminine Critique, uh, we're on iTunes at The Feminine Critique. Uh, I think I don't think we really have a website. Um, but if you just go to Facebook group, The Feminine Critique, we're there and stuff. And then I also have a blog where I write about movies, including movies like Stock by My Doctor. Uh, and that is DeadlyDollsHouse.com. Check that out, everybody. And I, of course, will link that in the show notes as well. Liam, you have a child on the way. You're a busy man. You're at school. You're doing stuff you're kicking ass and taking names where can people find your shit <laughs> uh primarily at liam rules on twitter uh that's r-u-l-z in case you're confused and um pretty much all my writing right now is going to be at cinepunks uh com uh though i will occasionally be writing for synapse uh, C-I-N-A-P-S-E dot Check it all C-O. out, folks. Of course, we'll link that as well. You can find me, Mr. Doug Tilly, over on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. If you like micro-budget movies, you can check out No Budget Nightmares, which is at NoBudgetPodcast.com. Our most recent episode with Mr. Mo Porn featured Wally Kaz's 555. Check that out or look us up on iTunes. We're also available on Facebook if you want to look for No Budget Nightmares. You can also check out my writing over at dorkshelf.com. I'm in the process of covering the entire uh, release history of Empire Pictures International, and I'm making short videos for each one of those releases. Uh, The one I'm actually currently working on is The Dungeon Master, the weird anthology movie from, I think, 1984. So look for that over on dorkshelf.com, and all my other writing will be there as well. If you want to check out more Eric Roberts is the fucking man, you can go over to ericrobertsisthemand.com. You can check us out on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. Subscribe on iTunes and leave us reviews. We appreciate it very, very much. And of course, there's an Eric Roberts is the man Facebook group. Just do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on there. But with that said, that's all there is to this story. Just like the doctor who loves to stock, we will be coming back just a couple of weeks. Eric Roberts is the fucking man returns. We'll be here soon. Everyone say goodnight. I'm winking. <laughs> Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.